if we get to elite athletes though, I think that there are some elite athletes that are, and, and even non elite athletes that are really thin that are playing with being too low in body fat to the point that they're screwing up their hormones. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast, powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Sabin, and today we're diving into part two of our three-part macronutrient mini-series. This episode gets a little off the rails at times, but bear with us. We've got some good nuggets for y'all. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. If you haven't yet tried out any of their endurance sports-specific formulated nutrition products, then head over to flowformulas.com today and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast for 10% off your next order. They also have a brand new low and high sodium formulation to help you cater to your specific sodium needs, so check those out. As always, if you like what you hear, please show this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any listener questions, especially right now because we have a listener question episode or maybe mini series coming up send those questions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title the matchbox podcast or find us on instagram and send us a dm all right let's get into it so drew so i know that you wanted to bring up a follow-up question from our carbohydrate episode last week but we're going to save that because once we get done with this mini series we're going to do some listener question either one episode or multiple episodes, however long it takes to get through it. Um, but today we're continuing this mini series and we're going to step into uh, fats as one of the three macronutrients. So Drew, you came prepared with your notebook of science. That's right. I Where are we it. starting today? You know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, I was trying to think of a cool idiom, but that's the only one I could think of. That isn't pudding pretty fatty? <clears throat> yeah, definitely can be, but also pr- lots of sugar. The proof is in the fat um, or the false is in the fat. Oh, dang. The falsehood. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that one was better. <laughs> I made that one up. That was a, a, a little original. You... <laughs> a Drew Dillman original idiom. Um, yeah. So, you know, carbs was pretty easy to talk about. I feel like fat and protein are going to be a little harder to talk about. But I think for generally speaking, um, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about fat is, is that it's bad. Like, I think we would all, we, we all have like a negative, negative view of fat. That's not so, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of fat. What's the first thing that comes to your that mind? it's bad? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just think it's one of the three macronutrients. It's not bad. It's not good or bad. See, that's good. See, we've kind of flipped because last week I was saying, oh yeah, all carbs are good. And you were like, no, 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 just kale. Um, I also don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so I don't know. I was going to ask the just the first question that I can think of is, are there times in the life of a training cyclist where we should focus on fat intake? I don't know if that's a good spot to start, but that's just kind of my first. That's where my brain first goes. So Drew posed this question to me on a ride, but he posed it a little bit differently. I can't remember exactly. And I was basically like, the I I basically said no, and he took from that that you never need to eat fat, which is not the case. No, 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 no. That we should never focus on I, eating fat. Sure, sure, big sure. word there. Yeah. Focus. So I, I think that fat is not 
fat is not a fuel. So you use fat as a fuel source when you're riding your bike, but that doesn't mean that you need to intake fat in order to use later as a fuel source when you're riding your bike. You already have so much fat on your body, even if you're incredibly skinny, um, that, you know, you could, you could, it's not so glycogen and carbohydrates, right? That's glycogen is stored carbohydrates you've got 2000 to 3000 calories worth of stored carbohydrates and if you and you know when you start to get low in that that's when you bonk um the same doesn't happen with fat i mean you're at with you probably have hundreds of thousands of calories worth of fat on your body and it's virtually bottomless uh you're not you're not going to run out um so to take that another level i was thinking of this when you were talking so when we bonk We've completely ran out of carbs, and at that point, we're basically just running on fat, right? And that's why the intensity level drops so low because we can only run on fat at low intensities. It's so sort it's of, almost it's, like we're forcing. I'd say ourselves. it's more akin to like the gaslight coming on in your car. Like it's letting yeah, you know, like, yeah. hey, we're getting low. Yeah, like you keep doing this, we're going to run out of gas, but we're going to we're going to drop it back so that you yeah. don't. Run I mean, out of gas. your body your body has ways of like, for example, your body. Um, sending pain signals to your legs uh, when you're doing a VO2 max effort, even though you could uh, go another two minutes, you feel like you're maxed out, right? Your body has ways of stopping you from destroying itself. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I would say say that (laughs) if you're bonking, you're not completely empty, but you're getting close. Yeah, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, bonking... What people believe is that you have run out of glycogen stores in your muscles, but glucose is the preferred fuel for your brain. And Drew, you know this well, that your brain tells you to stop, pull off on the side of the road, take a nap. And the the thought behind fat-adapted training is that instead of running out of glucose and bonking, that you can run off of ketones. And that's why they sell these little ketone esters, and that's why they've become kind of trendy. So have you done any research on that? I have a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, so before we get into before we get into that tangent, so let's go back to Drew's question. Oh. So you were asking, like, is there any reason or incentive to like include, like intentionally include fatty foods into your diet? And I mean, I've always heard that there are healthy fats. Like there are some fats oh, yes. that are like that are good for like you know, lowering your cholesterol and like they're good for your heart and just like bodies, like overall health. Um, I think they're mainly unsaturated fats. Um, and like, you know, things like, I don't know, avocados or nuts, mm-hmm. um, oh, fatty well. fishes, things like that are like considered to be healthy fats that like mm-hmm. are, you know, a lot of dietitians will promote, like, you know, include these healthy fats in your diet. Um, so I think they're, they're like with same with the carbohydrate discussion, like, there's a time and a place for those healthy carbohydrates. There's a time and a place for those healthy fats. Um, but like if we're talking about like optimizing your nutrition for like preparing for your training or your, your racing, like Dylan's yeah. saying, you probably don't need to like go above and beyond to include fats in your diet like you do with carbohydrates where you're like building up those stores. Yeah. Like you already have enough on, on board, but like including those healthy fats can be good for your overall health. Yeah, I would not try to minimize the amount of fat that you're eating in your diet by any means. Uh, and and hopefully the fats that you're taking in are healthy fats, but you should not 
say, okay, I've got a ride in three hours. Let me eat some fat now so that I can use that fat later on my ride. That's, you know, that, (laughs) that doesn't have, like you have enough fat to fuel your ride already. Um, if anything, and I don't want to get too far into the like fasted training discussion, but like if anything, you would do, you do the opposite. If you're trying to promote exactly fat yeah. burning, you would want to actually like not you. You'd want to kind of go into your ride in a hungry state because mm-hmm. then your body's sort of switching on the fat burning light sure. um, and, and switching off the carbohydrate um, burning because your body knows it's got a finite resource of carbohydrates. So it wants to keep those as long as possible because it needs that for fueling your, your brain and cognitive functions. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So there's kind of like two categories of fat. We're talking about fat and food. Um, and then my, you know, <clears throat> there's also like body fat. Um, are we going to talk, do you guys want to talk about body fat, like body fat percentage and how we can, I feel like that's a really important thing to talk about within the three macronutrients is body fat percent. And I think that all comes down to like body composition. You know, I think, um, yeah, I'll just read this quote from, from Matt Fitzgerald because he's smarter than I am anyway. So why try to paraphrase both body weight and body fat percentage were more strongly correlated with split times and total race time than training variables, such as weekly average training time. So like what he's saying is that body fat, percentage and or basically another way of saying it is leanness your leanness is very strongly correlated with performance that's not to say you have to be lean to perform well it's to say that the highest performers are typically lean in cycling and running in these endurance sports i'd say that was a little bit of a tangent because now we're talking about like how do we lose weight which is not necessarily what this uh three-part series is about but like if you if you're goal is to get leaner, then now we're, we're entering a discussion about how to lose weight. And that's like all, but that's all about body fat percentage, right? Like we don't want to lose muscle mass. Like it would be focused on, we would be, if you were losing weight, you'd be focusing on body fat and we're talking about fat. So no, 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 I get it. Yeah. But like, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about the three macronutrients, macronutrients being. So so that's maybe that's another question. Should we call body fat something different because it's fat food, there's fats in foods and then there's fats inside of us. Are they two different things? No, we shouldn't call it something different because they are both like they're both fats. Well, but carbs aren't carbs inside of us. We don't have food carbs and body carbs. Good counterpoint. <laughs> All right. Well, you can take that up. You can take that up with some, some scientists that name things. Yeah. Okay. Well then, sorry, I didn't mean to take us on a tangent, but since we're down it, what do y'all think? <laughs> what do I think of having a low body fat percentage to perform well? Yeah. I mean, I think there's an optimal body fat percentage to perform well. Most people mm. are over that body fat percentage, just in the general population. If we get to elite athletes though, I think that, there are some elite athletes that are, and and even non-elite athletes that are really thin, that are playing with being too low in body fat to the point that they're screwing up their hormones. Um, like if, you're, if your body fat percentage gets too low, just as an example, uh, men who have too low body fat percentage, their testosterone drops and then mm. their performance suffers because of it. So there's an optimal range. Um and most people are above the optimal range anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I think Fitzgerald calls it your optimal 
optimal performance weight. And it's basically like, don't track necessarily a number of body fat percentage, you know, like, oh, I really need to get to 6% body fat or whatever, or I need to really get to this weight, 145. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe sometimes that's helpful. But what he says that should be more of your focus is I want to perform at my maximal performance level and track your performance as you are changing your body weight and your body composition and keep track of not only like where your weight is and where your you sh- you know if you were going to track all this on a spreadsheet you have you have a column for body weight a column for body fat percentage but a bigger column for performance where you would actually write out how you're feeling and how the workouts are going and how you're doing in racing and as soon as your performance starts to decrease then like because you've hit too little or too low of a body weight or body fat then maybe that's a sign of, okay, maybe I've dipped a little too low and I need to find where that optimal body body performance weight or optimal performance weight is. I just like that he's always focused on performance. Like I think a lot of times, especially talking about fat in cycling and endurance athletes, we get hyper-focused on a number, like a weight number or a percent number or whatever. And, and that can be, that can have negative effects on performance. Go ahead, Drew. Cue MC Spandex. That's right. MC Spandex. It's all about performance. I mean, <laughs> we're coaches, and I, I'll be totally honest. I've. It's easy, and we're athletes. It's easy as an athlete to get to get totally caught up on like, man, I really need to be at this weight because that's where I think I race the best or whatever. Um, and I've had athletes that have like really struggled with that and had to have like some serious, you know, help from from nutritionists to help them get out of that, like negative state of like losing as much weight as possible, even if it is bad for their performance. So I just think there's like this negative uh, view of, of all of that, that needs to be kind of thumped. Sure. Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, that there, there are healthy fats that are good to include in your diet. So it's not like, you don't want to get hyper-focused on, I mean, like, you know, cutting out all carbs and then, or cutting out all fats. Um, I don't even know how you would do that, but um, you know, there, there are, right. there are definitely times where it's, it's important to have a, you know, just a generalized healthy diet. And that includes all three of the macronutrients. Yeah, when I there, do think of, go ahead. There can be health problems. If you have an extremely low fat diet, like you're eating almost no fat. So you want to avoid right. that. Yeah. Fat when is I, important for cellular health. And there's a reason why they say eat a balanced diet because it's sustainable eating eliminating any one of the macros is just unsustainable. What about if you're trying to induce uh, fat burning? Are we talking mm-hmm. about keto, uh, ketosis now? Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going right. into this with an open mind because I've always been super anti-fasted training and keto for women because I think we're naturally good at burning, naturally better than men at yeah. burning fat. Oh, yeah, there's um, all kinds of... Um, if there's... A, if there's out of the out of the two sexes, if there's one sex that should especially not do the keto diet, it's women. <laughs> um, and I don't think men should do it either. So I've already I've already shown kind of where my thoughts are on this. But basically, so the ketogenic diet had gained a little bit of popularity amongst endurance athletes because endurance athletes deal with this problem of bonking uh, during a long race, right? 
And if you are in a ketogenic state, then you're using fat as a fuel source. And if you are reliant on fat as a fuel source instead of carbohydrates, then you don't have to worry about bonking. And you can eat way less when you race and, um, and you know, that could potentially be a performance enhancer, maybe. Um, and that actually is true. If you are in a true ketogenic state and you are using fat as a fuel source, um, you know, almost almost all your fuel is coming from fat as opposed to a portion of it coming from carbohydrates, then you can go for really long periods of time eating very little and you're not going to bonk. Um, so... That's all well and good, but, you know, like Drew said, and like MC Spandex said, I care about performance. I like, I don't care that I don't have to eat 10 gels during my race. I care whether I cross the finish line in a faster time or a higher place, right? So that's the real question. Do you go faster when you're on a in a ketogenic diet and, and keto, like when I, whenever I talk about the ketogenic diet on my YouTube channel, people get really heated about it. Um, like the keto fans will come out of the woodwork and, and get really <laughs> upset about what I have to say. And they'll always like send me a study that showed that, that subjects following a ketogenic diet, um, were able to use fat as a fuel source when they exercise. And I'm like, yeah, I said that in the video, and I referenced the study that you sent me. That's not what I care about. I care about performance. And yeah, when- can, you, can you throw them a bone here and say, look, you know, if you're doing a crit or if you're XC racing, like, obviously, you're not going to be in a state of ketosis, burning carbs. I mean, you be. could be in a state of ketosis if you have that diet, but I would well, say Well, if you're looking for a- optimal, optimal performance in those events, obviously yeah. intake of carbs is important and you're going to do better that way. But if you're yeah, looking so at doing the Transamerica race or some kind of long touring event. Yeah, it- I, 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 that's, that's what I was going to like, that's what I was going to get into. So when, when ke- the ketogenic diet is compared to a normal diet, and they actually test performance, like how do they do in a 40K TT or whatever, or time to exhaustion or whatever there is they're testing, the ketogenic diet performs worse, right? Um, So (laughs) it like the the evidence is not good that the ketogenic diet improves performance. In fact, I'd say it's pretty like it suggests the opposite and it's not shocking to see why. So yeah, if you're doing, if you're doing, any sort of race where you're going over your threshold constantly, like cross country, mountain bike, crits, cyclocross. I mean, even long gravel races, you're going over your, your threshold. Um, you're, you're just, you're going to be at a disadvantage with the ketogenic diet and, and yeah, to throw the keto people a bone. If you're talking about Ironman triathlon or like race across America or something like that, where you're literally never touching your threshold once the entire race, then, you know, the ketogenic diet could possibly work for that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'll, I'll argue that it could, but if you, if you look at the progression of Ironman in the last five years, like records left and right are getting broken both men's Mm -hmm. and women's fields like it's insane the times that they're doing now and all of them are alluding to that progression coming from uh advancements in nutrition and even not even just so much the products but just advancements in the knowledge of performance nutrition 
So, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, you can, you can get through, you can get through a, you know, 90 minute crit without any food in a totally ketosis state, but you might get thrown off the back halfway through. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to perform better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and, and also I feel like, I feel like ketosis for endurance athletes is starting to fall out of favor, favor, which is a good thing in my opinion. I feel like it really hit its peak, um, in terms of interest in the number of people trying it probably like three ish, four years ago, uh, for whatever reason. But well, that was when team sky was like heavily invested in ketone esters and they were, um, I mean, they, they claim they were, they were, they were racing in ketosis, state of ketosis throughout the entire tour. Well, there's a difference between using ketone esters to improve your performance and being in a ketogenic state. There's actually a huge difference. Yeah, I know, but I think they were, I think they were, I thought they were claiming both. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The teams now don't claim that at all. They're all talking no. about how they're on, on a lot of carbs. Um, some of them are, cl- are claiming that they do ketone esters, but like I said, that's, that's not the same thing as being in a ketogenic state. I remember I feel like, like I'm going to get, Oh, go ahead. I remember when Vanderpool was racing some like tour of Flanders or some big race and he won and there was like a picture taken of his top tube and it had this whole nutrition plan, but it was all like, uh, there was like three different symbols for it. And they were able to figure out like, Oh, this was the bottles that he was taking. And this was the gels he was taking, but there was a little blue circle on there as well. And everybody was was like, Oh, I think he, it was something and they were like, Oh, I think he's like taking ketones, ketones. And then like, there's all this stipulation about Vanderpool taking t- ketones during the race and the little blue circle or whatever it was, was actually just him eating rice cakes during the race, like, or something so simple. It was like, we just got, we over, like, we just totally over blew like the whole ketone thing. And it was like, nah, he was just eating rice cakes. Like I just thought it was hilarious. Like all these stipulations, but that was probably just him eating whatever snack made him happy. Yeah, yeah, that's his happy <laughs> snack. Yeah, <laughs> not ketones. <laughs> All right, Kaylin, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say I feel like I would get so much hate for this, but I feel like the keto diet is just like the Atkins diet rebranded, where it was just high fat, high protein, and now the keto version is just okay. Add in, you know, some micronutrients and some greens and stuff, but. So yeah, every, every yeah, every every one of these high fat diets, like they'll claim that the last one did it wrong. So a hardcore keto person would respond to what you just said by saying Atkins did it wrong by having it be high fat and high protein. Keto is high fat, low protein, low carb. And I guess that's the that's the important distinction. Um, because if you have too much protein, it'll actually bump you out of ketosis. Like if you're in a ketogenic diet, you need to be very careful about how much protein and how many how much carbs you eat so that you stay in ketosis which is a whole headache in itself but so and Dylan with with that though um you know so going back to the our main topic here fats so to to optimize a state of ketosis are there different fats that are better or worse uh for for putting your body into ketosis or does it not matter cuz like I've, a good se- I've seen I've seen like you know like I had a few triathlon friends a handful of years ago that would like they would literally like dump lard into their coffee in the morning, like just in their, their coffee would just be loaded with fat. I mean, it looked Dude, gross, I, but they're like, I you forget, know, get, you know, all about ketosis. Yeah. I forget who <clears throat> there was some guy that it's like bulletproof coffee or something. I forget mm-hmm. the name of the guy that made that popular. So dumb. Um, you know why that's dumb? 
And, and I don't know, I might get hate for this, but like, who cares at this point? I've bashed keto so much on my <sighs> channel. Like, here's why that's dumb. We already established at the beginning of the podcast that eating fat before you ride is not going to mean that you use more fat later on when you ride. You can use more fat later on when you ride if you either do it in a fasted state or you're in a ketogenic state. But there are these people that are putting fat in their coffee in the morning without being in a ketogenic state. So literally all you're doing is just adding unnecessary fat to your diet. Especially in that not, form. Like, like think about your arterial health <clears throat> at that point. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it was something needs to be said for, you know, yes, you can do certain things for performance that aren't necessarily great for an everyday diet that's focused on health and longevity, but... I mean, I think the average person should be thinking about longevity and just overall general health. And if you want yeah. to be riding well, your bike when you're 75 years old. Ketogenic people also argue that the ketogenic diet is better for longevity. But honestly, that's a whole other discussion that we probably shouldn't get into. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you're going to try to do ketogenic, I feel like people are just all about like red meat and bacon and all this stuff. And it's like, um, I don't know, like, yeah, Maybe you think ketosis is good, but that does that like throw away all the known evidence that like red meat isn't isn't great for you and isn't great for cardiac cardiac health and all this stuff like you can't you can't just forget about all that stuff out there just because you want to get to ketosis like yeah sure um do we have anything I, else to talk about I with do, fat I do feel like fat is like when I think of it, I think of it as like the most, it's the most dangerous of the three. <laughs> the most dangerous. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, dude, seriously, like eating a diet that is overly fatty mm-hmm. is very easy to do and has very negative consequences. Yeah, but I would say that if you are not an active person, if you're a couch potato, and if you eat a diet that's super high in processed sugar, that's also really bad, like almost just as bad. Um, Yeah, but I feel like the access to fat is so much more like every fast food restaurant, like all of that food is just like saturated with fat. It's like the fat content on those things are so high. It and actually that's has what a saturated lot of fat. Yeah, I know. That's a, and all good. and all like all processed food is just loaded with sugar. I mean, our you know yeah. the processed American standard American diet has a ton of unhealthy fat and a ton of processed sugar. And that I mean, honestly, the combination of the two of those is is a really bad combination. Yeah, yeah. And the common exactly. misconception is, oh well, if the engine's hot, it'll burn anything. And yeah, that's. I mean, it makes me think of my professor that I had, one of my exercise science classes, David Horton. He at one time held the record for fastest known time on the Appalachian Trail by foot. It was 52 days, and he was eating like a pint of Jerry, Ben and Jerry's every night. Well, I mean, you would look at him and you would be like, yeah, he's one of the fittest people on earth, but he actually had a seven-way bypass surgery. So a lot of that was probably genetics, but genetics loads the gun, nutrition, or uh Nutrition pulls the trigger. I've heard that before. And wow, all the yeah. analogies, dude! I love the race car analogy though, because I was totally in the boat of, "Hey, I'm fit. I can eat whatever the heck I want because I'm going to go work out later, and it's just going to not going to matter." I was totally in that boat, but now that I'm like, now that I think of food as fuel, and that like the more optimal, like you don't put junk gas into a race car, that totally has resonated with me. As cheesy as that is. That is like so good for me and my diet because when I think about that, I'm like, you're right. 
my body is a race car and I need to put um, but, fuel in it. But you know what else I've heard? A friend of mine had said, oh, even Don't kill it. Oh, I'm going to kill it. squash it. Come on. He said, even a race car needs a little bit of grease. And I was like, oh, that's a good Ooh, one too. That is pretty good. That's different. I'm going to ignore that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a race car. Um, okay. I did want to bring this up because it was, it's very interesting. And again, it's another Fitzgerald quote, but it's really good. And, and it, so to, 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 uh, before we before I read the quote, we're going to go to that chart. Remember, like everybody, I think it's diff- like everybody. It's not like one general chart. Remember that chart of like when your body switches from burning fat to burning more carbs. Um, your body's always kind of burning both, but like the percentage of fat burning versus carbs burning changes as the intensity goes up. And I think everybody's chart looks a little different based on their fitness, and this is what this is what Fitzgerald says about that. <clears throat> The exercise intensity at which the body shifts from burning more fat than carbs to burning more carbs than fat is a strong predictor of endurance performance. Gaining fitness, so this is the interesting part, gaining fitness moves this crossover point upward, but losing body fat does too, independent of gains in fitness. So what he says is, if you lose body fat, you can push that crossover point up. And He goes on to say that, as body fat levels go down, aerobic capacity goes up because muscle has less competition from fat tissue for oxygen and fuel. So I just thought that was like pretty important to say um, in the whole discussion of like burning because in that with that you're talking about he kind of like takes the yes burning fat for fuel and carbs for fuel and correlates it to actual body fat percentage. Um, so I thought that was a really good really good quote from him. That is, yeah, that's really interesting. But it also kind of like fuels the fire for like, oh man, I need to get like lower body fat. And like Dylan said at the very beginning of the show, for the vast majority of people, we probably could get to a lower body fat percentage and a leaner body composition. But but we don't want to do that without losing sight of performance. True. True. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we're at half an hour. So I think uh, no one else has anything to add. I think that was a pod. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so much more. Um, <laughs> of course. You what, okay, so what are we? What are we did this with the carbs one? What are what are our favorite healthy fats foods? Like some, some practical advice here. Olive oil. Olive oil. Mm. Oh, I can just dip a like loaf of fresh sourdough straight into olive oil with a little bit of like Italian herbs. Oh. I thought all okay. So this is maybe this is a whole another topic. But I I thought all oils were bad, not bad, but like not great. No, depends on the type of oil. Type of oil and olive oil is at the high the high side of the list. Olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. They're just crazy dense, right? Like like olive oil. All the oils are super fat dense. You don't have to have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever have you ever looked at the nutrition label on oil? Yeah, I think so. It's 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 a lot. If you were to that. drink the whole bottle, it's like three thousand calories. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you would ever do that, but <laughs> so so if you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, you bring like a jar of peanut butter and a, a bottle of olive oil. Nice. You probably do the whole thing on that. That's yeah. I I'm big on nuts. I love nuts. Um. So yeah, I like almond butter and peanut butter. Like. I think the reason I eat a bagel every morning is so that I can put almond butter on it. Mm-hmm. Do, do you do you get like the all natural almond butter with like no added sugars or anything? I don't know. Costco's got the cheapest almond butter around, so that's the one I get. 
I, I find that I find that uh, most almond butters don't add hydrogenated oil, uh, but peanut butter definitely the cheap stuff they add hydrogenated oh, yeah. oil, and you want to avoid that. Yeah, we always get That's the why natural. It tastes so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why we yeah we always get the natural peanut butter most Such of the time. Such a pain to like stir. Stomach. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the bottom good. Is like, so dry. That's yeah, why like, they why put the hydrogenated. For you. Isn't that why they put the hydrogenated oil mm-hmm. in the other yeah, stuff? Is is. So that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. get separated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's good. That's yeah. a good sign. Um, <laughs> my, mine would be guacamole. Mm, darn, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I chose guacamole. <laughs> 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 too late man <laughs> that's yours all right so what about unhealthy fats like what are some big things that we should avoid again trying to take this like very practical like what are some obviously i think that the number one thing and it's unfortunate because i think that the higher the convenience goes also the higher the fat goes because like in, in, in the american diet we're or even just the American lifestyle, we're always on this like rush, rush, rush and go, go, go. And I just need to pull into here and go through the drive through. I'd say for the most part, the more convenient food is, the more high in fat it is. Like most sure. drive through restaurant style eateries are like fried food and yeah, there are healthy I was going to say, but. I was going to say deep, deep fried foods. Um, and like the interesting thing though, is like you, you go to any fast food place, like they always offer grilled chicken. Like you can you can get just grilled chicken, but like, like two dollars more. The fried chicken's so much better though. So yeah, like, it's never as good. What I always tell my athletes is like if they eat out a lot, take your favorite meal that you eat out and cook it at home. Chances are it's going to be better, and it's going to be better for you. Hmm. Oh. Fitzgerald has this thing, <laughs> dude. He's the bomb. You guys need to read every one of his books. He has this thing that he calls in his racing weight book. I didn't write this down, so I'm going to have to go on a cusp here or whatever. Um, he calls it the implementation intention, where if you're going to go out to a restaurant with friends, like la- I did this last week. I did the implementation intention last week. I knew I had a really big VO2 workout on Sunday and so or Saturday. And so Friday, we went to this local burger place. It's like burger and sushi place. And their burgers are amazing. <laughs> and I always get the barbecue burger. And I was like, probably oh. better than getting the sushi. So no way, tempting. Dude. I would so totally tempting. Get sushi. Maybe not from that place. From a and burger even, and sushi place? <laughs> like literally 10 seconds before I ordered, CJ was like, you going to get the barbecue burger? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And her dad was even like, you've been talking about this burger all day. And literally when the, <laughs> when the waitress asked me, what do you want? I said, teriyaki chicken bowl. And I was like, I changed my mind like right on the spot. I was like, I got to have a good workout tomorrow. And so I, I like, I don't know. You will go into the restaurant knowing I'm going to order. It's like the simplest thing, but you go into the restaurant having already predetermined, I'm going to get something healthy. Well, a lot of times you just don't think about it. We get into the restaurant, we look at the menu and you're like, oh yeah, that looks good. And you order that. What he says, the implementation intention is you already have predetermined I'm going to find something healthy on the menu and I'm going to order that before you even step foot in the store in the doors. I think that has a lot like like just having the intentional effort of I think that makes a big difference. See, see, I find it more effective for me if I just have the spontaneous implementation method or whatever, because like if I do what you're talking about there, I'll like, you know, look at the salads first. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to get the, you know, grilled salmon you know, grilled teriyaki salmon salad. Um, sounds good. But then like more time goes by and I'm like, Oh man, but they got the wings over there. 
like the wings sound so good. And then like my mind just starts shifting that way. But if I'm like looking at the wings first and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get the wings. Then I might do what you did was like, nah, maybe I'll just get the, get the salad instead. Oh, that's not what he says. I know you're, you're all back. Dude, you're all backwards, Adam. Yeah. I'm just saying don't work for me. Okay. Do you, do you just assume that everything that Matt Fitzgerald says is always correct? He hasn't let me down yet. <laughs> We should get him on the podcast. That'd be a good. Sure. One. Yeah, man. Reach out to him. I will. We'll have to tally up how many times you've referenced him throughout the podcast. Probably and, enough uh, to get. Probably enough to get in trouble. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> probably come after me for like copyright or something. No, as long as you, as long You're as you reference him, him every time, it's fine. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Oh, I think that I think that hit the nail on the head. Sweet. We got one more of these. We're going to talk protein next week, and then we're going to do listener questions. So anyone out there, now is your time to send in those listener questions. Um, So we'll be starting to queue them up for the the following week. Sweet. All right. See you guys. Cool. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch y'all soon. Let's go! I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. 
To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., developing coaches, connecting athletes.